to the Saturday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today we have good stuff for you from Revelation 17, 18, and 19. And it is not something to scare you. It's something to bring to light what John is being revealed will be deliverance. And it can be deliverance for us. It's deliverance from good or too good from bad and evil. And we have to remember he's getting this revelation while being exiled on the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God. So he's being persecuted, so to speak, right? So this is good stuff. So before we get started, I just want to remind you that on New Year's Eve, we'll be doing a live stream. My wife and I, my wife Karen and I, will be doing a live stream for... The greatest moments of your Bible reading. You got one day left and you'll be through the whole Bible in a year. And so we want to celebrate that with you. So on uh, New Year's Eve at 7, we're going to live stream some of the greatest moments we had. And uh, we're going to live stream that at Compassion Church and on the Daily Walk group page. Because what's really cool about this is my wife wants to share with you some of the great things she has done with her Daily Walk Bible. Because we want to encourage you that just because the year's over, we don't stop. As I've referred to many times, this is my eighth time through the Daily Walk. And I promise you on January 1st, I'm going to start again. And I want to encourage you that all these podcast episodes will remain online. So if you want to start again with January 1, you can. And so we just encourage you to jump online with us at that time and and just go through it. Think of some of the great moments you've had this year, what God spoke to you over the year. And wasn't it good? just to go from cover to cover, not jump around, but go cover to cover so we could understand the context of our Bible better. And I just loved it. So without further ado, let's get into today's reading. So it starts off the heading, at least in mine is, and I have the same book you do, is called the great prostitute all right so that is really the name given to evil all right the thing that drives us down because it gives us the uh, idea that that's what happens when we are pulled away from god there's something that's luring us away because God doesn't want us to be drawn away from him. So it's kind of described with that, as that. And so the angel is going to 
show John what's going to happen with that. And so he takes him into the wilderness. He shows him this great prostitute, and he sees a woman sitting there. Now, here's what's significant of it. There's some real ugly descriptions, and it's ugly because it's wanting us to see the ugliness of sin, the ugliness of uh, evil. You know, it's not trying to paint a pretty picture. Excuse me. Evil is not a good thing. Anything that draws us away from God is not a good thing. So this is not painting a pretty picture for a reason, okay? And here's why he takes him to the wilderness. The wilderness is representative of us being taken out of the hustle and bustle of life so that we can spend time contemplating, seeing, and hearing what God really wants from us. So you always think of the wilderness as being a time of of dismay, a time of hardship, a time of going through uh, difficulties. But sometimes in the wilderness is when we get the revelation or the aha moments of God. And so he takes John out the angel takes John into the wilderness so he could have better clarity on what he's seeing. And so there was this mysterious name written on the forehead of this person, right? And it said Babylon the Great. <laughs> Mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. So the picture is being created here that evil is not good. However, in describing her, she's wearing purple, scarlet clothing, beautiful jewelry, gold and precious gems. So the lure of evil is beautiful. It is painted in a picture that makes us want but the end product of it is totally against God. And then it describes her as being drunk, but she's drunk with the blood of God's people who once were witnesses for Jesus, and they were drawn away. They stared at her in complete amazement. They were drawn away and had fallen from grace, so to speak. So then he gets to see uh, this head of a beast. And on the head, he's sitting on, he had, the head of the beast had seven heads, and it had those seven heads represent seven hills. Now, here's what, this brings this further into focus. Babylon, when John is writing about Babylon, he's writing about Rome, really. I said that earlier because he's not going to write Rome specific because he's already in jail and he doesn't want to talk bad about Rome because he's trying to save his life, right? So he's writing in code. And Babylon, remember, is considered this super bad, evil community from early biblical times, right? Right? 
So, uh, this code for him was getting across. And what's really good is the seven heads represent the seven hills. And he doesn't say that out loud, but these are the seven hills in Rome. Now, if we think about Jesus' time, he went through, it was the Roman soldiers who flogged him, who beat him, who drew blood from him. It's this, He was crucified on the hill, on the hill of Golgotha. So a lot of bad went there. There was a battle of evil and good going on then, then in Jesus' time, right? So this is all making good sense if we look at it and not let it scare us, just look at it. And so then there was this scarlet beast, right? And we can look at it as uh, Satan. We can look at it as, because we go back a few chapters. In 12, we had a scarlet beast, and then we had the greater beast that comes up out of the, the one was out of the land, one was out of the sea. It can be the bigger beast. But what we really look at here is it said that was no longer but now it comes out, and it is again, and it's going to rise for a brief moment to reign with the beast. What this is really trying to point out is the relentlessness of evil. While we can beat it down once in a while, and my, my good friend, Sister Ruth, who just recently passed away, would always say she's stomping on Satan's head. Okay, which is good. She'd stomp on his head and she would get him down and, and, and put Satan away, and we can do that. We have all power and authority to uh, do that given to us. It's in Luke 9. Jesus gives us that power and authority. But the truth is evil will come back, and that's what this is trying to depict while it might die out for a minute or two, it's going to come back. So we have to stay strong in our faith and persevere. This is what it's trying to tell us. We have to stay strong in our faith and persevere because it doesn't go away. We're still subject to it as long as we're in this world. Woo! That's why we got to have the Holy Spirit living in us. Remember, Jesus was in this world and it still stayed around. Remember when he was being tempted, Satan left him and the gospels, one of the gospels says, until his next opportunity. <laughs> so that's really what it's trying to point out is it goes away, comes back, and it does. But here's what's really cool. It points out that the scarlet beast is beautiful to look at, but it's ugly in what it does, right? And it thinks it has control over everything. It talks about all the people it's betrayed. It talks about all the people that have fallen for it. It thinks that it's got power over everybody, right? Evil does. But then the waters where the prostitute are ruling the masses, there came another person and the scarlet beast and his ten horns all hate the prostitute. Oh, 
So it's like people turn on it, right? And they're going to strip her naked of her flesh and but and burn her remains of fire for God has put a plan into their minds. So what's that mean? Well, what's that mean is the words of God will be fulfilled. God uses this is like back in Old Testament times. God uses people to fulfill his plan, even if they're not his people. If you remember when the Babylonians took over and exiled Israel, and they thought they were all that, then to conquer the Babylonians, the Lord sent the Assyrians in to conquer the Babylonians, and then we have this Medo-Persian invasion where they get conquered. So these people that aren't following God annihilate each other, and then Israel gets sent back because he uses King Darius to send them back to their homeland to rebuild their temple, and everything gets better. So this... This evil has this inward fight, and that's what happens. If we look at today, with all the bad in the world, we can see where there's this power struggles with bad against bad, where people want more power, more power, more power, and they fight against each other. And it's, all we got to do is is hold on to Jesus. All my hope is in Jesus, and we can just let the the evil principalities fight each other because we don't have to be involved in that. And we can just see that. And that's why Jesus said through Paul that we don't need to get into senseless arguments so that we can be held blameless. <laughs> we just sit by the wayside and watch them batter each other, right? And maybe uh, that's a good word for, you know, some of our leaders is, you know, let them take care of them. How do we know that that's not what God has put in place. And that's what we should, that's why God said, honor your leaders. They've been put in place by God because maybe the Lord has a plan that we don't know about, that we just have to trust. And so right there in, in Revelation 17, we see where even the worst of the worst, God has something even worse happening where they're gonna battle each other. Because in 18, this angel comes down from heaven with great authority and in earth and grew bright with splendor and he gives this mighty shout Babylon has fallen woo the great city is fallen and so this inner turmoil causes them to fall and here's here's what I can tell you when well, some of the and I've coached for a long time, right? So some of the greatest teams I coach have this super good chemistry, super good team camaraderie, super good. Everybody gets along, stuff, right? That's what makes good team, right? But whenever there's inner strife, whenever there's people battling amongst themselves inside the team, they self destruct, so so to speak. Now, I don't teach that, I don't preach that, I don't let that happen to the best of my ability. But we see that a lot, especially in the professional ranks. So here's what I'm telling you. 
when the Lord puts those evil entities together and they start banging each other and doing the things they're doing, causing grief amongst themselves, the ultimate ending for them is destruction. And so here this great city has civil war and Babylon is fallen. So they're rejoicing that Babylon has fallen. She's become a home for demons. She's a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture. And now she has fallen. The inner strife has caused its own demise. But then another voice says, come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins or you too will be punished. So don't get caught up in it. Remember I already said, don't get caught up in pointless arguments so that you too will be held blameless. We don't want to be a part of that struggle that goes on when two entities start getting at it. Because people that know Christ know they don't need to do that, right? Because they're glorifying themselves, they're living in the luxury, and all of 18 talks about how it's all looking out for self-gratification. So I, I sat in a meeting with another clergy person one time, self-proclaimed perhaps, and it was supposed to be in a meeting where we, things were laid on the table. So uh, I sat in there, and it got really loud and aggressive, and I didn't come for that. You know, the Lord has blessed me because I used to have in before Christ, I was a very angry, and I used to be real strong and uh, just healthy. Let's put it that way. I'm healthy now. I'm just not as strong as I used to be. But aggressive person, let's say. And so the Lord delivered me of this over-aggressive attitude with anger and stuff. And so this person got real aggressive, real aggressive and loud with me, and I said, you know what? I'm not here for that. We can either talk civil or I'm going. And so I got ready. I give them that talk once, and it still remained aggressive, aggressive and uh, combative, so to speak. And so I got up to leave, and the person, no lie, jumps up and gets in the doorway, spreads their body through the doorway so I can't walk through. Feet were in the corners of the door. Their hands were up high across the door so I can't get through. And said, you're not going anywhere. And while I... Wasn't really in fear for my safety. I was like, I'm not going to stay for this. So we either need to get civil or the conversation is over. See, that's when we know that we're not in a conversation we need to know or be in. When it's all about self-gratification, when it's all about self uh, reliance, when it's all about self proclaiming and about self-endurance and it's not about coming in for what the kingdom wants 
and it's not about doing what God wants, and it's my way or the highway, and we're not working together to obtain it, then that's not what it is. And so the angel's saying, don't get caught up in that, people, because if you do, then you're going to get punished for it too. And see, when we're dealing with people's eternity, we can't be that. And so all of 18 is descriptive, or at least most of it is descriptive of all that. And so he's talking about how evil it is and how the people fell for it and how they all got caught up in it. And then it closes, gets ready to close out with a mighty angel picks up a boulder the size of a huge millstone and threw it into the ocean and shouted, shouted, remember, this was the mighty prostitute of the waters, right? And just like this, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. So this mighty angel's going to throw down the gauntlet, so to speak, and it's all going to be over. And so all their singing, their harping, and all their things they do because they're worshiping evil will be gone forever and it will be over because the Lord wins, right? And after he wins, they'll be shouting from heaven, singing, praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. And again, they'll be saying, praise the Lord. And the 24 elders, remember that's what we started out with, and the four living beings will fall down and worship God who's sitting on the throne crying, amen, praise the Lord. You know, when we get victorious over our sin, this is representative of that, and we realize how much we needed God, and he, th- he throws all that stuff into the sea of forgetfulness. This is representative of that. The sea of forgetfulness, man. Isn't that awesome? Then we know that we have been forgiven, and we don't have to come back to that. And everybody's singing in heaven. Praise the Lord, we've been forgiven. And the big, this victorious scene is something that says that the judgment over the wicked is finished, all right? And we should be glad in it. And then what's really cool is, remember the wedding feast. It says we're going to have the great feast. The great banquet is ready. And the wedding feast has come with the lamb. Who's the lamb? That's Jesus. And we're going to get to sit at the table with him in pure white linen. The finest linens that represent the good deeds of God's holy people. Because he's made us pure as snow. He's cast out all the evil in our life. We've been made pure as snow. It's, it's been put in the sea of forgetfulness. It's never to be no more. That old life is gone. We have a new life in him. And we are in there. And we are blessed to be invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And these are the true words that come from God. That's what's written, Revelation 19.9. And so John is in such awe of this that he falls down in worship, but he's 
it's an angel giving him this vision right now, not Jesus. And so the angel says, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters. Worship only God, for the essence of this prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. And sometimes we got to remember that. We don't receive worship from people. Only God does. It's his. And we got to make sure that when we get the praise for something that God has enabled us to be able to accomplish, that we give all the glory to him. And we're seeing more of that these days where people are giving God the glory. And it's so good. And I just love it. So we go on. This is going to close out with the rider on the white horse. And the rider on the white horse is uh, someone on it with faithful and true as his name because he judges fairly. Now, who could that be? Well, it must be the Messiah, right? Because his, his name is like, Nothing anyone has ever stood, understood because his robe was dipped in blood and his title was the word of God. Now, we know that he died for us and he bled for us, right? So that would make a reason for his robe to be dipped in blood. His title was word of God. Well, that goes, who's writing this? John, that goes back to John 1, 1. Because in the beginning was the word capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, okay? We're talking about Jesus here, and so his title was the Word of God. And so he's got this whole army dressed in pure white, following him on white horses. So that's all the saints, right? And from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. So that we got out of Hebrews. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? And he releases the wrath of God. This is in the final judgment. And on his robe is at his thigh is written his title. This is the giveaway. King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, we know that that's what he is because that's what Mary was told in Luke when she was told, you're going to have the Son of God. You're going to have God's baby. He's going to be called Emmanuel. He's going to be called King of Kings. He's going to be called Lord of Lords. He's going to be one that the whole government rests on his shoulders. Now the government's going to rest on his shoulders, but it's not the government of this world. It's the whole government of the saintly, the good, the righteous. And he's going to come crashing down and he's going to battle the beast. A lot of people think this is a battle of the Armageddon where good and evil battle each other. And he's going to fight him and he's going to win the battle because he's going to kill a lot of everybody with that two-edged sword with the word of God that comes from his mouth. I love this part. You know why? Because how did he beat Satan the first time when he was tempted on the mountain with the word of God? 
How are we supposed to defeat Satan when we're in this life? With the word of God. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's the word of God that does this thing. It, this all makes such good sense. This is trying to tell us, man, know your protocols. What's my protocols? The word of God, because it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to cut through bone and marrow. It's able to divide. It's able to defeat any enemy, including the dark principalities that Paul writes about in Ephesians 6. And I just get excited about this. Because it's not partial, it's not partway, it says the entire army of evil was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse. Woo-wee! And they were thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That's hell, people. H-E double hockey sticks. That's hell forever. They are gone. Jesus wins. One of the greatest things you can take from the Bible, if you have read it from cover to cover, is the lamb wins. Yes. <laughs> and if you know Jesus, you're a part of the victory party. And you don't have to wait till you go to heaven. You can be a part of the victory party knowing Jesus right here, right now, today. So this year, if you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, then be a part of those on the white horses. Get that new white robe and be part of his army so that you're at the wedding feast in your white robe. Have a great day. We'll see you on New Year's Eve for the last part of the Bible, the daily walk. Have a great day. God speak, would you pour down like rain, wash it.